Well, Happy New Year to you. Um, a couple weeks ago, we celebrated Christmas Eve, and I was really excited about our Christmas Eve. It was a real blessing to see so many people attend our services. Just from an attendance standpoint, it was really exciting. We had a lot of people come to the 9 o'clock. The 10.30 actually only had four empty seats, and we had a bunch of people out in the overflow, so that was really cool. And at 12 o'clock, we had a bunch of people come as well, and I was super grateful for that because... Um, those of you who came to 12 o'clock kind of opened up seats for the other services. And we had Journey to Bethlehem and Middle Eastern theme and Middle Eastern food. And I was eating baklava for the next two weeks because we had so much baklava, which is great because I love baklava. But many of you were there. And we really had a great Christmas Eve. We had just purely attendance-wise, we had fantastic attendance and we were very, very blessed. Nine o'clock service, we had lots of people at the 1030 service. We had um, four empty seats in, in the total service and like a bunch of people out in the overflow, and, and we had many people come to the 12 o'clock service. So let me tell you about the 12 o'clock service. So many of you um, said, we'll come to 12 o'clock so we can open up seats for 9 o'clock and 10.30, and there, there were a bunch of familiar faces at that 12 o'clock service. And during that service, my worst nightmare came to fruition, my, first, my worst preaching nightmare. And this, is, this has never happened before, but I'm up here preaching, right? This is Christmas Eve, you know, big Sunday, been preparing for months. And I'm, I'm preaching, and I'm ready for the, the slide to transition, and it doesn't transition, right? And I look back at the tech team, and she's like, and I'm like, oh, no. And I have this feeling of discombobulation, which you've had that feeling where you're like, I'm confused, I'm disheveled, I'm filled with anxiety, and I'm not really sure what to do. And I don't even really know exactly what I did, but I, I, I did not know what to do because I don't have paper notes. I'm completely dependent on the screen. And I, I stood there. If you were here, you, you might remember that. I stood there for what felt like 10 minutes, but it was probably about 10 seconds. And I just said, just pray silently, I'll be right back. And I went back to the tech booth and she said, we're resetting it. And so she reset the computer and I got to come back up here and finish off my sermon and all went well, right? Um, sometimes in the midst of discombobulation, you just need a reset. You need a reset. So uh, fast forward a week, so this would have been last week, during the second service, just raise your hand real quick if you're in the second service last week. Okay, there were like a couple of you. I'm up here preaching, and because it was New Year's Eve, we decided to have a strobe light show, right? And like it was like flickering big time, and you were so distracted, or the people in the service were so distracted, they were all staring at the tech booth, and I, my friend came up to me after the service, and he said, wow, way to go. You really plowed through that, and I said to him, well, I plowed through it, but inside I was all discombobulated. Like I was filled with anxiety. So on the outside, it looked like I was doing just fine. But on the inside, I knew you were distracted. I knew they were going to eventually take care of it. Um, but, but you've been in those situations, right, where you're so discombobulated that it shows and you're, you're either stunned or you're stressed out or you're yelling or you're, you're kind of all over the place. Or you could be discombobulated inside, but on the outside, you look just fine because you're like, I got to put my game face on. I got a meeting. I got to teach the kids. I got to just keep on moving on and sort of putting the game face on, even though inside 
I'm discombobulated, right? So we've all been in those seasons. We've all, all experienced those moments. On Friday night, I was at the Corning basketball game. And I saw a lady from the church, and she came up to me, and she said, I can't wait for 21-day reset because the holidays were, were very stressful for me. We were traveling. We were going from here to there. And some of you, you spent way more money than you wanted to on gifts, right? And you look at that credit card bill, and you're like, ah, I'm all, I'm all discombobulated. Or you ate way too many cookies, than you intended to, and you thought it would be maybe a, a season of reset where you could rest and relax, and yet it was a little bit stressful, and you got a little bit discombobulated. So here we are, right, January 7th, 2024, and we're going to do a little reset. We're going to reset our minds, we're going to reset our hearts, and we're going to get our lives pointed toward the Savior in an effort to get rid of all of the discombobulation that you might be feeling. So if I could summarize this entire series, this is going to be 21 days. Um, it'll start tomorrow. If I could summarize it in one verse, it would be this, where James, the brother of Jesus, wrote to a group of churches in the Mediterranean world 2,000 years ago. He would say this, and he's saying this to you this morning and to me. This is a promise that if you come near to God, he will come near to you. You pursue Christ, he'll come near to you. you. You take a serious effort to just pause, to take a deep breath, to slow down, and to focus on God. This series is all about our one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. There's all kinds of different ways to grow in our relationship with God, to get discombobulated, to do it in a small group, to do it through corporate worship. But this series is about one-on-one -on -one that we would come near to God, that we would pursue Him, and we would hold on to that promise that He will come near to us. Right? The psalmist in Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. Some of you, you need to know that He's God, not just mentally, but, but as we just sang, sang about deep in my soul, that I know that He's got this that he's in control, that he is large and in charge. The Apostle Paul would write to the church at Philippi, I consider everything a loss. All of my accomplishments that I've accomplished up to this point, it's a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's the goal through this 21 days, that you would pursue him, believe in the promise that he's going to come near to you, and that you would strengthen and deepen your knowing of Christ. There's three primary ways that we're going to do this. We're going to do it through Bible reading, right, in your, devotion, in your devotionals that we're going to give you as you walk out, or you can get it at beartownroad.org uh, on the homepage. We're going to give you some Bible reading as well as some devotionals that someone from our church wrote, and then there's going to be some lines where you could do some journaling. I'm going to challenge everybody to write at least two sentences every day on those lines, and here's the big one. I'm going to challenge you to fast, challenge you to fast, um, which specifically, biblically speaking, a fast is where you abstain from food for a certain period of time or a, a, a part of the day for spiritual purposes, okay? Now, um, <clears throat> this past Wednesday, I, I spoke to the youth group, and then I had my little small group with my sixth grade boys, 
And I, I left Wednesday night thinking to myself, I don't think I communicated this very well. I, I feel like I was, I had the sixth grade boy saying to me, I don't understand why we need to do this. This doesn't make any sense to me. And I thought to myself, it's a little bit hard to explain fasting. It's one of those things where you, you just kind of have to experience the benefits of it. But what I want to do for the remainder of our time today is I'm going to give you my best shot to explain what fasting is. But one thing I can guarantee is you still might walk out of here a little bit discombobulated about what fasting is until you actually experience it. So here's my best shot to explain fasting. Okay? Fasting does essentially three things. Number one, it simplifies my schedule right? Because some of us, maybe even most of us, have a lot of things going on throughout the day, which gets us all fragmented and discombobulated. But fasting forces me to slow down. So for me, I'll talk more about this in a minute, but for me, I'm going to skip lunch every day for the next 21 days, which means I save mental energy because I don't need to think about what I'm going to eat. I don't have to go get something to eat. I don't need to spend money on the food. I can just pause right where I am, and I get it. This is easier for me than it is for you because I'm a pastor. Some of you will be able to do this. Some of you might be able to do a different meal. You'll have to work out your own reasonable schedule. But for me, it simplifies my schedule, and I'm not eating junk food, which then makes me a little bit slower in the afternoon. That's the first thing that happens with fasting. Number two is it serves as my alarm to pray. So we, we all have this internal alarm system. And you know how when you wake up in the morning, your alarm goes, doot, doot, doot. Well, this is going to be like the alarm that goes, and you're going to be like, oh, I need to pray. Right? So throughout the day, because you're not, most of us aren't used to fasting, we're going to have alarm bells going off all day. And it just says, okay, I'm hungry, I'm going to pause, and I'm going to pray for whatever my purpose is. We'll talk more about that in a minute. And then number three, this is the, the most difficult to explain of all when it comes to fasting. Number three, it nourishes my soul, okay? When you pause and you give up food for a certain period of time, it nourishes my soul. Donald Whitney wrote a book called Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life, and I love what he said about fasting. He said, There's something about fasting that deepens the passion of our supplication, or it it deepens the passion of our prayers. And I love how he just says there's something about it, because it's kind of hard to explain. You, You just have to try it, and when you try it and you feel those hunger pangs, it just kind of magnifies or focuses or reminds you to pray. And as I'm praying, I remember this verse by Jesus. So one day Jesus, you know, as he begins uh, his ministry, he gets baptized in the Jordan River, goes out into the wilderness. And he's the new Israel, right? Israel failed. Jesus had victory. So he's in the wilderness for 40 days, just like Israel was in the wilderness for 40 years. And he's hungry because he is God and he's also human. And he's hungry. Or 40 days, no food. And at the end of that fast, Satan comes up to him and says, hey, why don't you turn those stones into bread? I mean, you deserve it. You just went through a 40-day fasting period. And Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 8, and he says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, I need bread. You need bread. 
And most of us love bread, right? I had some garlic knots last night that were so good, right? And we, we, we love bread. We love sandwiches. We love food. We love processed food. We, we just love filling ourselves up. Food is necessary for survival. You need bread. But man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Right? So fasting is acknowledging that if I'm to not simply survive but thrive spiritually, I need to nourish my soul with the Word of God. Jesus said this at one point, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me, right, come to me, draw near to me, will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. So you need physical bread, but you also need spiritual bread. And I'm not saying that you need to fast just to get spiritual bread. I'm simply saying it's, it's magnified. It's, it's a little bit more focused. There's something mysterious that happens when you fast. Now, this is a little bit of a cheesy example, but every once in a while, um, I'll, I'll take a plate and I'll put a Bible on it, right? You just put the Bible on your plate, and you're reminded, this is my food right now. This is, this is sustaining me, right? This is nourishing me right now. I'm forsaking food, and I'm feeding on the Word of God. And if you want to get extra cheesy, you could even pick up a fork and a knife and just pretend that you're eating on the Word of God because it's, it's filling you up. It's giving you what you need. It's sustaining you. It's the goodness of God that is nourishing your soul because man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is a, a pretty big deal in the Bible. Um, it's actually talked about 77 times in the entire Bible. If you contrast that with baptism that's listed 75 times, fasting is listed 77 times, and you read all over the Scriptures people fasting for specific purposes. Sometimes there's a national fast where the whole country fasts. Like Esther says, we're all going to die unless we fast, and everybody fasts, right, and God comes through. Jehoshaphat, there's a moment where the army's coming in, and they are massively outnumbered, and Jehoshaphat declares a fast, right, and God delivers them miraculously. You see Jesus fasting. You see the church in the book of Acts looking for direction in terms of how to move forward, looking for direction of who to install as elders and leaders, and the people would worship God, and they would fast. So this is all over the Scriptures. And so my, my challenge to you over the, nor the next 21 days is that you would come up with a plan and that you would have a purpose for your fast. So the main purpose would be nourish your soul, get close to God. But some of you have something big going on in your life, right? Maybe it's with a child. Maybe it's with a parent. Maybe you have a friend and you'd love to see something, something miraculous happen in his or her life. I want you to pick a plan. I want you to pick a time of day where you're going to read your devotional, we're all going to be doing the same thing. And I want you to pick a purpose so that when those alarm bells go off, you'll know exactly what you're going to pray for. And just a few things, not like a hundred things, just a few things. Isaiah chapter 58 says this, is not this the kind of fasting that I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free, 
and to break every yoke. Some of you in this room are struggling with depression and anxiety. You're, you're, you're maybe what I would say extra discombobulated because you've got some things going on. Or maybe you know somebody, maybe you have a child, maybe you have a loved one who's feeling some oppression. And maybe you should fast for that person. Maybe you should fast that they would be set free. So you got to come up with your purpose. You got to come up with your plan, something that is reasonable, but also challenging. Take a little bit of a risk, right? Because we, we typically grow when we do things that are hard. So do something that's hard. Here's what I'm going to do. Just going to kind of put it out there because it's going to hold, hold me accountable to it. And maybe some of you would like to join me with this. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fast from lunch every day. So I'm, I'm only going to eat dinner. And my, my purpose is there's two people in my life who I'm going to fast for. And I'm going to fast for these two specific things in our local church here at Beartown Road. The student ministry, right? We've been looking for a director of student ministry, um, praying for our kids, praying for our middle school and high school students, praying for our leaders as they pour into our students, praying that we get more student ministry leaders. Um, my heart, just personally, my heart has grown for student ministry as my kids have gone into student ministry. And I just, I, I look at middle school and high school and I go, wow, they live a difficult life. They've got challenges. And so we need to step in there for them. We need to fast for them. We need to pray for them. And we need more people involved in mentoring our students. So that's one of the things I'm going to pray for. And the other thing is, um, and we saw this with Christmas Eve, and I get it, it's Christmas Eve, but it kind of gave us a picture of our ability to reach our local community. And so we've been talking about a plan to make more room on Sunday mornings. I mean, in some ways, if you're watching online, you can't tell, but the weather is terrible today, and there's a lot of you in this room. Like, I'm, I'm amazed how many people are in this room. So we've been seeing our attendance go up, and we're asking the questions, how do we make more room for people on Sunday mornings, and we're, we're trying to work hard, we're trying to come up with a plan, and we want to hear from the Lord. So that's something that I'm going to be fasting for as well, and I would love to have you join me in that. Come up with a plan, right, and come up with a purpose, and press into that, and draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you. Now, you might be here today, or you're watching online, and you're like, okay, well, I don't, I don't even believe in God, so why, why would I do this? Now, if that's you, um, you know that, now I believe that God created your body. And especially if you're a Christian, I believe that you can't simply eat whatever you want and drink whatever you want, whenever you want, and expect it to not affect your relationship with God. Because we're, we're, we're linked, we're connected, right? We're intertwined. This is why God says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? Love them with your emotions, your mind, your soul, and your body, right? Corinthians says, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 12 says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. So we need to think about our bodies. And, and e even if you're here and you're not a Christian, fasting is good for your bodies, Right? And you can watch a million YouTube clips about this, but let me just give you one little snippet of a, of a book that I read a while back written by a man named Joel Furman um, who wrote a book called Eat to Live. Um, and he writes this, a 
Americans eat 51% of their diet from processed foods. And I love me some processed foods. I mean, I love frozen pizza and garlic knots and, you know, desserts and candy and all those things that are processed that we know are not good for you. We all eat processed foods, 51% of your, except for those of you who are like whole foods only. You know, some of you are like that. Most of us eat a lot of processed foods. He says this, that so you see a buildup of waste products in the cells that lead to aging, diabetes, nerve damage, and the deterioration of organs. Some of this is just natural because we get older, but some of it is as a result of the foods that we eat. And he says, fasting allows the body to most effectively remove these waste products. Fasting, physically, even if you don't believe in God, okay, fasting resets your body physically. And those of us who do believe in God know that we're completely connected. And God wants you to serve Him with your mind, soul, body, and strength. So, you willing to try it? Again, some of you, it might be, I'm going to fast all day. Some of you, maybe you're going to fast for a few days. Others of you, maybe it's going to fast for a meal, not breakfast, because we all fast from breakfast anyway, right? I'm going to challenge you to think about this. Maybe it's fasting from lunch. Maybe it's fasting from dinner. Maybe some of you are like, okay, I got some medical issues. I'm not able to fast. Maybe it's fasting from media or social media or something that just has a, a little bit of a grip on your life that's causing you to become extra discombobulated. Would you consider fasting that you might nourish your soul over the course of these 21 days? Now, if you say, yeah, I'm, I'm into this, I'm going to fast, I want to give you some warnings. Okay, I got some warnings for you. Number one, I promise this, that your stomach, it will grumble. It's going to grumble, right? It's going to be talking to you because fasting's hard, and it's going to be like, come on, feed me. And you've got to, as Paul says, Philippians 3, many as live as enemies of the cross of Christ, their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their mind is on earthly things. Now, again, we have to eat, right? We have to serve our stomach, but it's so easy to allow our stomach to become our God. And every time it talks to us, we just give it whatever it wants, whenever I want to give it. And fasting is an opportunity to say, stomach, you're not going to be my God. You're not going to tell me what to do today. Because I know i got to live on bread, but I'm not going to live on bread alone. I'm going to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So I just want to warn you that your stomach's going to start growling. But that's okay. That's your alarm bell to pray for whatever it is that is your purpose. Number two, God is not your genie in a bottle. And this is so easy to do. We're all tempted with this idea that when I come near to God, you know, I pull out my little bottle and I rub it and God comes out of the bottle and I say, God, this is what I want. And there's nothing wrong with saying, God, this is what I want. But if you're only in it, to get what you want, you're going to miss out on the purpose of it. Zechariah chapter 7 says this, the word of the Lord Almighty came to me, ask all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months for the past 70 years, when they were in Babylon, Babylonian captivity, was it really for me that you fasted? Was that for me? Or was that 
because you just wanted to get something from me? Was that because you just wanted to get out of captivity? I know you want to get out of captivity. I know you want to be done with depression. I know you want this relationship to be fixed. I know you want a career. I know you want that. But is it just because you wanted something from me or was it for me? I love Psalm 115, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. At the end of the day, it's not about me and it's not what I want. It's about, it's about his honor. It's about his glory. It's about his praise. It's about resetting my mind and my heart and getting it aligned towards God. So don't treat him like a genie. Just come to him. Come to him. Number three. Beware of the inner Pharisee. Um, I, I like to say that there's a little Pharisee in all of us. And I might be the one who's most tempted to be a Pharisee than anybody else in this room or any of you watching online because I'm like the primary religious leader here. And it's easy to want to impress, right? But you got to beware of that little Pharisee inside of all of us that just wants to impress people with our piety, right? Jesus warned, I mean, and he said, look, when you fast, which there's a lot to be said there, not just if you fast, but when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. You know what the word hypocrite is, right? It comes from the Greek word hypocrites, which means a stage actor. <laughs> so you're, you're behind stage, and it's about time for the, the curtain to pull up and for you to say all your lines, and you try to be somebody you're not. You try to act like somebody that's not who you are. And you get up and you, you, you play the part, and then afterwards come, someone comes up to you and says, man, you were such a good hypocrite today. You, you did such a good job of being somebody that you're not. And you'll say, thanks, man. I really I practiced those lines, and I, I worked really, really hard. It's so easy to be a hypocrite. It's so easy to put on a, a persona of somebody that we're not really. So Jesus says, here's one of the ways that you fight against Pharisaism or hypocrisy. Here's what you do. You, you put oil on your head or you put a, little, put a little gel up in that head, right? Well, those of you who don't have any hair, maybe whatever you do, maybe you put a little, I don't know what you do, you put, put a little something on the top of your head there, put a little makeup on, a little, little oil on your head, you wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what you've done in secret will reward you. You know, if you're fasting specifically to impress other people, you know what your reward is? Your reward is for people to look at you and say, wow, you're so godly. Good job, man. I'm so impressed with your piety. That's your reward. Is that what you want? Is that what you want your reward to be? And yet the Father says, when you do it in secret, right? Now, this doesn't mean that, like, if you go to work tomorrow and you're fasting from lunch, this doesn't mean that you just, you get weird about it. Like, hey, you want to go to lunch with me today? And you don't say, um, no, I'm, I'm just not going to go to lunch. Because then they're like, do, do you not like me? Like, what's up with that? It's okay to say, no, actually, our church is doing a fast, and especially now in our culture nowadays where intermittent fasting is so popular, you can just be honest and say, no, I'm fasting so that people don't think you're rejecting them. But you're not doing it to impress. You're not, you know, trying to score points with God through your fasting. You're doing it because you, you want to nourish your soul and be closer to Him. So those are some warnings when it comes to fasting. And um, I just want to challenge you to give it a shot. Um, 
when I, when I did this youth group the other night, I, I said, I said, because kids are so honest. This is a great thing about teaching at youth group. Is like, if they're not tracking with you, you know they're not tracking. Like, everyone right here is like, you're, you're looking at me, and you're focused, and I appreciate that. In youth group, if they're not paying attention, they're like elbowing each other, or they just get up and leave, right? So, so it, this is just, this is, this is easier to talk about than actually do. But I want you to raise your hand, not up high, but in your heart, okay, so that nobody can see this. Are you going to try this? Like Wednesday night, I had a couple of people like, no, I'm not trying it. I'm just not interested. And I was like, hey, thanks for your honesty. I appreciate you being honest, right? How many of you are going to give this a shot? You're going to grab this devotional, right? And you're going to be like, I'm a little nervous about this because I love food, but I'm going to give this a shot. And I'm going to skip lunch or I'm going to skip dinner or I'm going to figure out another system that's going to be a little bit hard, a little bit sacrificial, not for the purpose of, you know, sadomasochism, hurting yourself just to impress God for some reason, but you're doing it because you love God and you want to reset yourself. So grab one of these devotionals on your way out or grab one online and just sit down, maybe pull out a plate and just start reading, write a couple of sentences of your prayers and see what God's going to do in your, in your heart. See what he's going to do in your soul. Will you give this a shot? Will you try this? Because at the end of the day, one thing I, 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 can, I can promise you will happen is that it will simplify your schedule. It will make you hungry, and the alarm bells will go off. And if you do it with sincerity to get closer to God, it will nourish your soul. And it might take a few days. The first day might be miserable. It might take a few days before you start to notice, you know what, I I just feel a little bit closer to God. I'm not asking you to do anything else. I just want you to take seriously this one-on-one time with God every single day starting tomorrow for the next 21 days and see what He may do. See what He may do and see how you might get reset, refocused that you might get a little bit closer to Him. And and here's here's what many of us would would say is true, that there, there really is nothing better than Jesus. There really is nothing better than knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. There really is nothing better than being close to Him. There really is nothing better than just kind of being still and taking a deep breath in the midst of my discombobulation and knowing that He is God. So before you go to bed tonight, have a plan. What time are you going to do this? Is it going to be in the morning? Is it going to be at lunchtime? Is it going to be before you go to bed? And have a purpose to your fast. Maybe it's just one person. Maybe it's two people. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's the relationships among your kids. And I would also ask that you would pray for us as a church as we discern from God how He wants us to move forward. Again, you can get the electronic version on beartownroad.org. Grab one of these on your way out. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up right now. We're going to close the service with a song that says, I'll trust in God. Right? That's how it goes. Right, Bryson? I'll trust in God, my Savior, who will never let me down. He'll never let me down. He'll never let me down. Fasting helps us to trust in God.
and not to trust in the things of this world, but to trust in the one who will never, ever, ever let me down. Let's pray together, and then we'll close the service with a song. God, in many ways, I am very humbled that my friends in this room came out to church today and fought the weather to be here. I'm blessed that we have people watching online who are gathered around their devices or their TVs taking seriously your call to get closer to you. I thank you for that, Lord. I pray that you would give us, by the power of your Holy Spirit, discipline. Because we want to be disciples, and the word disciple comes from the word discipline. Would you help us to be disciplined? Thank you for this church. Thank you for all of the folks here who showed up on the tech team and the worship team to serve on the greeter team and serve in children's ministry. Thank you for Christina who wrote this devotional. Thank you for Isaac who does so much for our church technically. Thank you for faith. Thank you for all of the people here who put their hands in the deck for one reason alone, and that's that we might help each other take our next steps towards Jesus. We love you, Lord God, not always like we should, but we do love you. And I pray that we would honor you and that this would be a special season for us as individuals and a special season for us as a church. We pray this in the mighty name of the God in whom we trust, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.